Today on Blue 58, the Kansas City Chiefs backed up the money truck for Patrick Mahomes. Good for him, but can you believe the numbers? Eh, Probably not. Then, who on the Packers is hurting their cap? Some of these names might surprise you. Finally, what should we make of the ongoing statistical revolution in the NFL? Is there anything we should know or be cautious about? Well, our latest book chapter in Take Your Eye Off the Ball has a few thoughts. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. Got a lot to get to today, but before we get to that, I did want to circle back to mention something that we talked about at the very end of the last episode. If you are a YouTube listener or would like to listen on YouTube, we currently have a bit of a problem. Our podcast host, Acast, is having some trouble with their YouTube integration. So if you normally listen that way and are hearing this another avenue, through another avenue, that is why. Uh, It's not because we want to stop putting those things on YouTube. We do. Uh, We get a lot of great interaction with people there. Uh, But that's why you're not seeing them uh, on YouTube right now. So that is coming back at some point. I'm not exactly sure when. Acast says they're working on it. They say the problem's on Google's end. I don't really know who to believe, and it doesn't really matter who's telling me what. The point is the people who listen that way currently can't and kind of irritates me. So I want you want you to know that we've done all we can to try to get that straightened out, and we're kind of getting stonewall, stonewalled here a little bit. Looked into changing podcast hosts. Not the host of this show, the the, per, the the company that hosts this podcast, lets it live on their servers. It's it's going to be cost prohibitive to do that. It's just we're not getting enough stuff back at this point um, to to offset you know what we would be losing um, from switching from Acast yet. But if this drags out a whole lot more, we'll probably look into something like that. That's not where we're at right now. But I do want you to know and be reminded that we are aware of that and uh, we're really sorry about it. I'm really frustrated about it and uh, it, it kind of annoys me because we get a lot of great listener interaction and feedback through YouTube. So hopefully we'll get that back up to speed here in the very near future. All right. The Kansas City Chiefs did something unexpected. Not in extending Patrick Mahomes. I think everybody assumed that was going to happen. But... The amount of money and the amount of years in this deal are astonishing. Patrick Mahomes got an enormous contract. But exactly how enormous was it? Well, you say 10 years, $503 million. No, not really. Let's look at that here for a little bit. This is not a 10-year, $503 million deal. It might be half of that. There is some real funny money in this contract, and it's a a great opportunity to explore some of the things that lead to a lot of the unusual numbers we see in NFL contracts as a whole. Most NFL contracts are basically a lot of fake numbers. Aaron Rodgers has a lot of them in his latest deal. And just about every NFL contract is like that, especially the big money ones. Why? Agents want to make themselves look good. It's good for teams to say, hey, we give out these huge contracts, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, a lot of this money that is in these reported numbers never makes its way to the players. 
And perhaps more importantly, it's never intended to. They just put it out there for agents and PR and stuff like that. So the Mahomes deal is not really a 10-year, $503 million deal. And we know that for a few reasons. First, the words guarantee mechanisms. Tom Pelissero says there, this deal contains $477 million in guarantee mechanisms. It sounds good, but if you start digging, it starts to fall apart. So what are guarantee mechanisms? We don't really know what those are yet. And it may end up, and it probably will, whatever they turn out to be, mean that he's going to get far less than $477 million in guarantees. For starters, guarantee mechanisms probably means that at points in this contract, it is going to trigger amounts of guaranteed money. So numbers like roster bonuses and and other sorts of things. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is far different than $477 million guaranteed. For instance, Patrick Mahomes has a roster bonus of $49.4 million. If he is on the roster at a certain point in the 2026 league year, he will be guaranteed to receive $49.4 million through that bonus. A lot of players have stuff like this in their deals. Jimmy Graham, early in 2019, picked up a, I believe it was an $11 million roster bonus on like the 16th day or the 9th day of the league year. So the league year starts on, let's just say for the sake of argument, March 11th, 2019. The 9th day of the league year would have been March 20th. The Packers have to decide what to do with him between the 11th and the 20th, or he gets that $11 million roster bonus. That is guaranteed money if he's on the roster, and that could be considered a guarantee mechanism. I would guess that 2026 roster bonus is not the only one in this deal. In fact, we know that there isn't, or that it isn't, because in the contract breakdown at NFL.com, which is linked in your show notes, it says as much. But that 2026 one is the big one, because at $49.4 million, that's a pretty good figure, probably at least equal or probably a little bit more than his annual salary for that year. It's a, it's a point at which the Chiefs are paying him basically two years instead of one. So if you're looking at a point at which the Chiefs would want to do another deal, another extension, prior to the 2026 season is a good bet to avoid having to shell out close to $100 million for one guy for one season. If things really go south for Patrick Mahomes, that would be the point at which he would probably get released. I don't think that's likely, but it's at least possible. That is one kind of guarantee mechanism. Another significant kind of guaranteed mechanism is an NLTBE incentive, a not likely to be earned incentive. These are the real, real fake money in these contracts. And I've heard some whoppers over the years, but the the really, really crazy ones are, are guys making like five Pro Bowls in a row or... I think I, I saw one where like a guy if a guy got 13 interceptions or something like that, he would get a $10 million bonus. Stuff that's not super likely to happen. And we know some of these are in Mahomes' contract too. 
Because per Tom Pellicero, quote, there is also $25 million in incentives tied to winning the MVP and reaching the Super Bowl starting in the 2022 season, end quote. I don't know if that's $25 million for each of those or $25 million for both of them together. Like if you would get both of those, you would get $25 million or... If you get one and then the other, the bonuses you would get would add up to $25 million. It doesn't really matter, but that's just at least $25 million more in fake money in this deal. For a guy like Patrick Mahomes, your definition of likely may vary when it comes to winning the MVP and and reaching the Super Bowl, but technically those are not likely. It is more likely than not. It is less likely than it is likely, I should say, that any one player is going to win the MVP in a given year. If you had the choice between betting on Patrick Mahomes or the field for the MVP race this year, the field would be the better bet every single season. Technically, that makes that incentive not likely. The same for reaching the Super Bowl. The Chiefs heading into this season are as good as any team out there. But if you had to pick between the Chiefs and any other team in the AFC to make the Super Bowl, the smart money would be to bet on the field again. It's hard to get to the Super Bowl. Again, a not likely to be earned incentive. So this deal contains a lot of money that Patrick Mahomes is likely never to see, and everybody knows that. So why sign this deal now? That's my big question. If you know the money isn't all going to be real, why sign this deal? Why sign for this long? Okay, a lot of the money is going to be guaranteed, so there is a good reason there. But he's also giving up something here. A couple of somethings. A couple of opportunities at getting to the market again. Patrick Mahomes would never see true free agency anyway. He was never going to get to the actual free agent market in which teams could bid for his services. Who knows how big his deal would have been that. That's fine. We know that. But now, for the next 12 years, he has no path to leverage at all for all of his prime earning years. Pretty much. I mean, like we said, things get a little bit unusual around 2026, but if things play out, 10-year extension, $503 million, or however much it actually is worth, he still is going to miss opportunities to reset the market again. Say he had only signed a three-year extension. That would mean he has five years left on his deal. That would mean that after his, if he's 24 now, after his age 29 season, heading into year 30, he would be either hitting the free agent market or eligible for the franchise tag. And then a bigger franchise tag the year after that. And then a bigger franchise tag the year after that. And he could play, keep playing that out as long as he wanted or until the chiefs got tired of paying the franchise tag. And then he could get to actual free agency. That is what Kirk cousins did and did. And Kirk cousins got a huge, completely guaranteed contract from the Minnesota Vikings. Mahomes has no opportunity to do that now. And Andrew Brandt points this out. I've linked his piece for Sports Illustrated below. You should check that out in your show notes. But this part was particularly poignant to me. 
Quote, obviously the total value of the deal, if earned, is enormous, but the market will inevitably pass him by, and while the Chiefs will want to do right by Mahomes, they will be armed with the leverage of contract control. The Chiefs hit Mahomes' target of $500 million, but the player gave up at least a couple of free agent contracts in return. Time will tell on this contract, but the Chiefs have the most precious asset in the NFL now in the fold for an NFL lifetime, end quote. So Mahomes did get his big number, but for me, here's the real question. At what cost? What did it really cost him to get to that fake number of $500 million? It might have cost him shots at actual real guaranteed money that might have totaled what is actually going to be coming his way through this contract. Let's make this more Packers-centric. I've written a piece that should be out by the time you're hearing this podcast for acmepackingcompany.com. I don't have a link yet because it's not live, so it's not in your show notes. Um, Actually, I will try to go back and and put it in. So so forget that earlier part. It will be in your show notes. I just don't know at one point during the day. If you don't see it there, it's because I haven't gotten to it yet. It's at acmepackingcompany.com. We're talking about the worst cap values on the Packers right now. This is part of a two-part series between me and Tex Western. The Packers are in pretty good cap shape. We talked about that courtesy of Take Your Eye Off the Ball a couple of episodes ago. They're, they're in pretty good shape overall. They've got cap space. They're not devoting too much to the top end of their contract pool. They're doing all right. But not every contract is a winner. And so I've written about some of the worst contract values on the Packers right now. And I want to focus on the number three entry here because I actually talk about three players, Mason Crosby, Christian Kirksey, and Rick Wagner. So if you're doing the three worst values on the team, this one is kind of a cheat, but hear me out. Individually, none of these players is going to break the bank for the Packers. Wagner has the biggest cap hit at 4.8 million. Crosby's is 4 million. Kirksey's is somewhere in between. None of them individually takes up more than 2.4% of the cap or so on their own. But all together, the Packers are spending a little more than six and a third percent of their 2020 cap space on these three players. And I think there's a pretty good chance that out of that three, one of them is going to turn out to be a stinker this year. Crosby's probably the safest bet of the bunch, but he's going to be 36 in September. Time waits for no man in the NFL. He could become an old kicker and an ineffective kicker at any point here. Kirksey has been hurt a bunch the last two years. Has he fully recovered? We don't really know. Wagner also has not played a ton over the past couple years. And he is even riskier, I think, in Kirksey than Kirksey in some ways because most of his issues have been performance-based. Should he falter again, his contract is going to be a pretty poor value for the Packers. It seems like this is it's pretty safe to say that one of these three is going to turn out to be a poor value for the Packers this year. And that we're talking about these three at all is not really an indictment of Brian Gutekunst or really a sign that the Packers are in any kind of trouble because they're not going to break the the cap by themselves. But I think what it shows is that as you're trying to get value, not every contract you sign is going to be a winner. 
I like Mason Crosby as much as the next guy, probably more. But his contract could be a headache, albeit a minor one, if he turns out to not be good into his late 30s. Christian Kirksey could turn out to be another sort of irritating accounting problem if he can't stay on the field in 2020. The same goes for Rick Wagner. But those are the problems that you risk having trying to improve your team. Take a look at the full piece. It will be linked in your show notes eventually. If you don't see it, head to acmepackingcompany.com. There's a couple more players on the list. Finally, let's take our eyes off the ball again. We're getting right down there with this book. We're in chapter 17, Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics. Love that quote by Mark Twain. And I've thought about it a lot as this statistical revolution has carried on in the NFL. Folks, advanced analytics are not going away. And I think it's incumbent upon us to be at least conversant in what they mean. Kerwin actually writes about that. He says, quote, numbers for the sake of numbers tell you nothing. But we're now at a point where new criteria are being collected to support the critical decisions being made. And it's almost irresponsible not to use them. End quote. He's got a couple good examples here about how you could couple analytics with scouting reports to come to conclusions that will help you make informed decisions. And I think that's the best way to go about using advanced analytics. However, he also uses a stat that I think that we can use as an example of why you can't just hang anything on one number. He talks about drop rate or drop ratio, excuse me, uh, for receivers as a scouting tool. And he wants receivers to have a ratio of one drop for every 30 targets. No worse than that. And these are college receivers. But I wondered what would happen if we took that and applied that to the Packers receiving core. So a drop ratio of one drop for every 30 targets is dropping 3.3% of your targets. Wanted to see how that looked for the Packers. And as it turns out, over the past three seasons, 2017, 18, and 19, the Packers have had 10 players with at least 30 targets in a season over the last three years. 10 receivers or tight ends, I should say. We've got a couple backs in there, but I didn't want to count them because they're catching a different kind of ball. So between those three seasons, we've got 10 players with at least 30 targets in a single season. And I only counted these players most recent season with the Packers. The list of 10 is Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, Geronimo Allison, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Randall Cobb, Equinemius St. Brown, Jordy Nelson, Martellus Bennett, and Lance Kendricks. Those are the 10 couple of those guys have had more recent seasons with the Packers than 17 or 18. Again, we took their most recent year. Of those 10 players, zero had a drop ratio of better than 1 in 30. The closest player to hitting that target is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. According to drop data, from Sports Information Solutions, who are generally pretty reliable. According to that site, MVS had two drops in 54 targets. His drop ratio is 3.7%. 
slightly ahead of 1 in 30, but not by much. The worst player on this list is Geronimo Allison, who dropped 12.7% of his targets, 7 drops in 55 targets last year. I don't think that's usually surprising. There's your range. Everybody else on the list is uh, is between those two numbers. A couple uh, notable numbers. Randall Cobb comes in at 6.5%, almost exactly even. In fact, exactly even with Jimmy Graham. Both had four drops and 61 targets in their most recent season with the Packers. Devontae Adams was at 6.3% last year. Equinemius St. Brown at 55 in 2018. And Jordy Nelson all the way back in 2017 at 4.6%. All these numbers courtesy Sports Information Solutions. So what does this tell us? A couple things. First, drops are basically smoke and mirrors. Because Marquez Valdez-Scantling dropped way more than two passes last year. You know that. I know that. He knows that. So why do we only have two from this reputable advanced stats site? The big problem is nobody can really agree on what constitutes a drop. Because at that point, you're assigning definitive blame for something that has a lot of factors going into it. So that's a big problem with this number. The second problem is all these players are catching pretty different kinds of passes. Let's stick with Marquez Valdez-Scantling just for a second. Do you think there's a pretty good chance, even in 2019, that he was getting a different kind of target than Randall Cobb was in 2018? or Martellus Bennett in 2017. I'd say there's a pretty good chance of that, right? So we can't just look at this number, flawed though it may be already with its drop numbers, and just run with that as its own thing. You've got to try to paint for yourself a bigger picture. If you think back to what we did this spring for our draft preview stuff, that's kind of what we tried to do. We did a lot of stuff scouting through stats and stuff like that. And I think we did a pretty good job because we actually pegged a few players that the Packers ended up being interested in and a couple more that went earlier than the Packers would have been able to pick. But it at least got us on the right track. So there's something to this idea of using numbers. But you can't just use one. And even if you do use a good single number, you've got to try to add a little bit of context to it. Sports Information Solutions has a great little tool uh, called the SIS Data Hub. If you just go to sisdatahub.com, you can enter in any player in the NFL and find any number of advanced stats on them. I use that pretty regularly. Don't ever use it alone because some of their stats are a little bit wonky and hard to put a little context around. And you got to try to do that uh, to really get depth to their numbers and do that with any advanced stats site you find. But there is some real legitimate interesting stuff out there. And I think uh, think it helps you learn a lot more about, about the game and about how these players are performing. For instance, depth of target numbers. That's something that can provide a lot of context uh, for what sort of balls players are getting and why they might be dropping more of them. For instance, Marquez Valdez-Scantling ran much deeper routes in 2019 than he did in 2018, yet still dropped fewer passes. That's an interesting data point, isn't it? All that and more available for your perusal. Give it a look and take the lesson that as good as advanced stats may become, you should never take any one of them just 
as a given. So I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. If you know of anybody who might benefit from hearing it, I would appreciate it very much if you would go ahead and share it with them because that's how we're going to get more people into this conversation and ultimately how we will help more people become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.